This summer, uh, we journeyed through a, a season and a, a series on the Lord's Prayer, where we we're diving into what is Jesus really inviting us to, to do and say and pray uh, as, as followers of him. This year, uh, last year, and let me go back a little bit further, last year we went through really the whole grand narrative of the scriptures, the, the big grand story of the Bible to help you better understand what the Bible is all about, the story of Jesus that runs through it all from beginning to end, the story of God's creation that comes ultimately to one day where all things are made new, right? That's made true and possible through Jesus. We are going to, through this school year, go through Three separate smaller series um, underneath one were called Believe. Uh, I've been for the last couple of weeks, we've mentioned there's some books you can follow along in the series. I think there's still a couple more out there if you want to read along. Um, it's just saturated with scriptures and texts with, with different ideas uh, or different uh, topics on what we, we think as believers in Christ, how we act. And then also what God is forming us as, what he's calling us to be. And so today we're kind of launching off the whole series with a big sort of general um, sermon, general idea of the, just the whole, what, what is this series all about? As I was thinking about this, um, I, I just, it brought me to the fact, yes, it is kickoff Sunday. I know I mentioned, congratulations, Lions fans. Thursday night was not your typical Lions football game, Right? Right when you thought it was gonna, no, they actually won and they won by a point. So I, I need that to happen for the Bears over the Packers. Sorry, Packers fans. And now we've already created division and there is no unity, and you're never gonna listen. But for me, as we, we think to kick off and it's kickoff Sunday, I, those of you who know me, I love coaching. Right? I love whether it has been professionally teaching golf coaching people that way, whether it's now coaching tennis. Um, it, to me, I love, uh, there's something for me in coaching that, that unlocks, I love unlocking people's potential, right? To me, actually, being your pastor, I look at a lot as being a coach, right? You're the one playing the game seven days a week, right? I've got to play the game too, but it's my job to come alongside of you to encourage you, uh, sometimes to challenge you, sometimes to make you a little uncomfortable, right? But to come alongside of you so we can get out of you what's already in you, right? A good coach says, man, you got it in you, we just got to get it out of you, right? And I'm going to call it this, that it's a participatory partnership. Ooh, you like that? Participatory partnership. Do not turn to your neighbor and say that because they will need an umbrella, but as we grow, as we grow, because uh, this is my thesis, let me, man, I want to I dive in. I got to step back for just a moment. Here's my working thesis. We're all becoming someone. Fair? Like when you write a paper, you, you start with a thesis. What's your thesis? Mine is this. We're all becoming someone. In our lives, I am not who I was yesterday, but who I am today has something to do with what happened yesterday, right? Things said, things that have happened, uh, what I've invested in, what I haven't, all influence and inform who I am today. We are all becoming someone or something, I don't know. 
And my thesis is going to go a, a, a step further this morning, and it's this. If we're Christians, because we're here as the church, and, and maybe you're not here bought in quite yet on Jesus, that's okay. You're at least interested in, in this thing called Christianity, or at least something has drawn you to this place. As Christians, and in, in this entire series, I'm going to put this thesis forward for us, that we are all in the process of becoming, okay, becoming what we already are in Christ. You're like, whoa, wait, you're mixing tenses here on me, Aaron. And yeah, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, mixes in the tenses, mixes the tenses. Because in Christ, you and I, and what we're going to hear this morning, you and I are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's a reality gifted to us by Jesus. We are no longer bound by sin. We are no longer bound by brokenness. We are not what we once were. We are absolutely, abundantly, fully new. Here at Watershed, we say there is freedom in the finished work of Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross is good for all time in your life, in mine, in all people's lives from here on out. It is to come. You're good between you. Things are good between you and God. There's nothing you can do to change that. That is God's gift to you. However, how many of us realize that every day? How many of us believe that every day? How many of our lives are shaped by that every day? While it is in us, it's not always coming out of us. Right? One of the things, uh, getting to play tennis with, with my daughter Bella, and I'm teaching her the slice. Right, and so in tennis, it's it's this different kind of cut shot, puts a lot of spin. It's my secret weapon for this old guy still beating her. But now I decided I was going to finally give her that gift. That's a bad move, right? And so we go to her instructor this week, and go, yeah, we spent some time on this. How about for the rest of the season, we keep working on it? And one of the coolest things is I'm standing on the other side of the net. Is she, you know, okay, I'm watching her struggle through the, not the struggle, right? I'm watching her struggle through the forehand slice. It's just kind of an awkward, it's better for drop shot. You know, we won't go down the, the tennis. See, I'm a geek when it comes to coaching. But she goes into backhand, right? And it's not the, it's not the shot she particularly wanted to use because she's a two-handed backhander and now she's got to do one. It's all different. And all of a sudden, first feed over from her coach, beautiful form Oh, it was like magic. <laughs> Spin, low, stop. <sighs> There's something about that, right? In all of our lives, it, when what is in us joins with the current reality of our lives, comes out of us, this whole series is about just that. Not just that you know the story of the Bible. Right? We'll talk more about that uh, later on in the message. Uh, but not just that you know what's the, th what's the theme of the scriptures, that okay, it's about this Jesus, right? But that what Christ has done comes out of you because it's in you. God's redemptive work, that new creation is alive. Our desire as a church, my desire as your pastor, is to come alongside of you and help unlock that more in your life. But it's a participatory partnership. 
It's going to involve you in the process, right? Not just me. As I've been thinking about this, I go to Colossians this morning. So if I can direct our attention, Colossians 1. The Apostle Paul, follower of Jesus, he is imprisoned. Most think in, in Ephesus at the time. He's imprisoned and he hears about this Colossians church, right? The, the church in Colossae. And in, in Colossae, he's heard about people who are coming to faith and they're just starting to live out the Jesus life in the Jesus way. They're start, there's, there, there's like fruit. There's new, new people coming to life. There are people who are getting you know, their needs met and, and life is just happening. So Paul's like, man, my ministry is not done because I'm in chains. I'm going to write and I'm going to encourage and I'm going I'm to teach even though I can't be with you in person. And that's kind of how the letter starts. And that's where we pick up in verse 9. Paul says, for this reason, right? I've been watching Jesus in you and come out of you. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you. But that's what a community of believers does. We pray for each other. We haven't stopped praying for you. We continually, right? This is never ending, never stopping. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. What's that life look like? It's bearing fruit in every good work. It's growing in the knowledge of God. It's being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. How many of you know you need endurance and patience to live this life? Right, so that you can have endurance and patience. And then giving joyful things. How many of you want joy? Right? You want to live your life. That, man, life is better lived in gratitude. Even in the midst of the junk that wants to strip it away. Right? And giving joyful thanks to who? The Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of the light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And it's in this son, Jesus, whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Then at the end of chapter one, he says this, he, Jesus, is the one we proclaim. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that what? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Remember, this is coming from a guy who's in prison, who hasn't yet received a declaration on whether he will live or die. But he says, as long as I'm here, as long as I have breath, I'm going to fight for you. Right? What's his goal? Right? If you're going to study the scriptures, uh, one of the ways you can study the scriptures is just think about this. Well, who, what, where, when, why, how? Right? English comp, English lit, you know, like this, some of, you, can, you can track stories in this way. Who, what, where, when, why, how? Right? What is Paul's goal? As a follower of Jesus, and he's writing to the, the church in Colossae, as he writes to us, his goal is what? That we would live a life worthy of the calling that we've received in Christ Jesus. 
that we would what? Grow up and be mature in Christ. Is that our goal? Right? Throughout this whole series, the whole point of belief is, is to go, listen, I want to know Christ more. I want to become more Christ-like because he's the one that gave his life for me. That's what Paul says when he says, listen, I will give every breath I got to that because he knew in the depths of his being how much it meant for Christ to live the life he never could and to give that life for us so we could have life. So eternity could be our story again. Because death hijacked the eternity story. It took a left-hand turn. And if it wasn't for Christ's rescue, we wouldn't be put back into that life eternal with God. What? Paul's saying, listen, I want you to grow up. Be mature. Right? The whole point of this series is to believe, to believe in a deeper way. We are on a journey, right? It's never, we're never going to quite arrive. And so often Paul will use verbs in his writing that are like, here's the reality and it's ongoing. Right? We're always growing. Today's different than yesterday. Tomorrow's going to be based on today. Hopefully this afternoon may even be shaped by our conversation this morning. But nonetheless, Paul's goal for us, the Christian goal, is to become more Christ-like. Well, why? Right? Why would he give his life for this? Why would he be, sitting in, be willing to be in a jail cell to possibly be murdered for the sake of this Jesus? Well, here's some of what the scriptures say. It's the Father, right? Our Father, our good and great God, has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. That God, we call this grace, has gifted to us that salvation. He is restoring us into relationship, has restored us, and is restoring us into a relationship with him so that we don't ever have to be afraid. We don't ever have to be bound by our regrets. We don't even have to face punishment for the decisions we didn't know we shouldn't have made. God has rescued us, later he says, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Paul uses the language of, of redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That Christian word redemption along with the word reconciliation, means I took you from where you were and I brought you and put you in a different place. Because at one time, Scripture teaches us all were far away from God. Even though he might have been near to us, that relational distance was something we could never span. And God goes, let me build the bridge and let me walk all the way over it. The God who couldn't be seen became one who was seen in Christ to bring us back, to redeem us from the one who owned us, Satan, the devil, sin. And that forgiveness of sins gives us new life. Paul will go on to say this in 2 Corinthians, and this gets back to my working thesis. We are all in the process of becoming who we already are in Christ. 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The, the literal Greek there goes, it's a reality. 
Take it to the bank, folks. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God. It's the Father who qualified us in Colossians. Right? This is grace. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Not only has he restored us, but he gives us purpose. He gives us a mission to bring that good news and live that good news out in the world. What's Paul want? He wants for us to become Christ-like. Why? Man, because Christ gave his life for us so that we could be fully restored. We could have freedom in his finished work. So how? How does this new become real for us? Right? We are a people who work from grace, not for grace. Let me say that again. We are a people who work from grace, God's unmerited favor, God's gift at Christ's expense. You can go on a lot of different ways to say that, but we couldn't earn it. We work from grace, right, out of gratitude, not for it. How does this take place? Well, Paul says through a number of different ways. First, I think is one of the most important. He says, we pray and we ask God. In your transformation process, the biggest thing Paul knows is the one who's going to do the work in you, the work you could never have done without him, is God. And we pray to the Spirit. Right? He says, we ask God to fill you. And we ask him to give you all the wisdom and understanding that what? The Spirit gives. Remember participatory partnership? Right? The coach is working for us always. Jesus is always, he's never trying to cut our legs out from under us. He's actually helping us learn how to use them. Right? He's sitting there teaching you on a, on a backhand slice. You want to have a slight angle from the shoulder down. You don't want to be too scooped, otherwise it's going to fly. That's my problem, right? You've got to flatten it out in order to get the backspin. And by the way, whether you're in golf or tennis, backspin makes the ball go up. Uh-huh. Topspin makes it dive. <laughs> you want the ball to go up? You got to hit the ball down. Oh, we'll leave that there. But what do we have in God? We have a coach who's always working for us. We had a coach who's willing to get in the game with us. We have a coach who says, next week we're going to talk about the Trinity more. But we have a coach who says, I'm going to live and I'm going to dwell. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to be speaking life into you. I'm going to be giving you strength you didn't realize you had. Why? So you could succeed. God wants you to succeed in life. He's not interested in destroying your life. I think sometimes our image and our perception of God is one who's waiting to get us at every turn. And you know what? Every other religious God in this world, that is true. None of them are actually looking for you to succeed. The story of grace and the story of the Christian God is one who wants to see you succeed, not fail. Because he understands that failure is already in us. And we can't change that story except through him. 
But in this participatory partnership where we know God's doing his work, he's going to do everything possible. Paul uses language in Colossians like this. Listen, I hope, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling, right? And he goes on to say this, that you can bear fruit in every good work. That means we've got to actually do some things, right? And that in doing some things, we've got to do good things. So we've got to figure out what those good things are. We've got to have a goal that says, I want to breathe life into the world instead of take life from it. I don't know how much your life might change just by asking that question moment by moment. Am I breathing life into the world or am I just sucking it out? Right? What would it look like if we just said, you know what, I want to breathe life. I want to do the things that make, be- make others better instead of tear them down. Make the situation more alive and full then destroy it. Bearing fruit in every good work. And then he says, you got to grow in the knowledge and not just the knowledge of God, but again, wisdom, understanding. We actually got to use our heads. The first part of this whole sermon series, the first kind of 10 weeks, we're going to talk about doctrine. Ooh, yuck. <laughs> Theology. Ooh, yuck. I love it. <laughs> But what we think matters, doesn't it? What I believe matters. What I do with what I know matters. Like next week, we believe in a God, one God, three persons. That matters. And we're going to explore why that matters each and every week. Not just go, here's the theory. But how does this theology, how does this doctrine, how do these words about God actually change me. Because again, what's God's purpose? To see us succeed and have life. Not to become something less. And he goes on to say, right, I want you to be strengthened. So what do we got to do? Sometimes we got to go lift some weights. We got to do some, some disciplines and some things to be stronger, to work out muscles we didn't know we had. We work, we participate, right? It's a participatory partnership. God is working. Will we join him in the work? Paul writes this in Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off the old self, right? So that's a work we have to do. We got to put off the old, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self, created to be like God in true rightness, righteousness, and holiness, perfection. Right? we got to join in the process. In Philippians, Paul will say, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, work at it. But then listen to this, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. A participatory partnership. See, the gospel of God, grace, it isn't opposed, as Dallas Willard says, to our effort. We're called to join in a work what God is doing, but it is opposed to our earning. We're never doing it to somehow see if and and do this kind of if then and, and, and negotiate with God and I've got a better place in heaven or anything else or to, to make up for all that was done, karma. 
Right? How many times do you feel like you've got to make up for everything that you've done? That's just karma. Grace frees us from that. Gives us new legs. Gives us a new starting point over and over again. God's mercies are new every morning for great is his faithfulness. God is going to work in you and through you. We're called to join him. It's not opposed to effort. Why? Because we are all in the process of becoming who we already are in Christ. When we celebrate baptism in our community, we say over a child who doesn't yet know this good news, this is your reality in Jesus. You are new. Sin doesn't define you. Your brokenness, your mistakes, the things that you'll regret to come, that doesn't define you. We hear as Jesus heard, you're my son, you're my child, you're my daughter with whom I am well pleased. That's the gospel. So as we journey through this, and I got up here for us a good Venn diagram for those of you who like Venn diagrams. Jesus is at the center. The whole point of this series of Believe is to become more like Jesus, to let the new creation come out of us. So in the first series, we're going we're to go into some core beliefs. What do we think? How many of you have ever had somebody say to you, what were you thinking? Now tell me thinking doesn't matter. <laughs> Right? We're going to look at some core. Now listen, you're going to be on a spectrum of belief over these. But it's going to be my job to coach you up in what these are really all about and why they make a difference. Right? I'm going to do the best I can to join in the Spirit's work of making that truth and reality known. The next 10 weeks, uh, we're going to look at acting. Right? Come up, some of our core practices, we actually have to do things, right? We actually need repetition. When I'm doing my backhanded slice, I need to do it over and over again. I need to, with a, so if you're ever watching, by the way, a tennis player, and they're doing a one-handed backhand like this, or a one-handed slice like this, the one hand, this pop gives you exactly that, pop. There you go. There's your little tennis nugget for the day. All of you are going to go hit some slices. But what we do matters. What did you do? Why did you do that? Our actions shape who we are. And finally, beyond morality, we want to get to character. The Bible teaches us that if the Spirit's living in us, he wants to produce some fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Because God knows it's not just simply about our behavior, it's who we are that shapes our behavior. So who are the, what kind of person is God forming you into, right? It's that question I, I know my parents asked, is that who you are? Right? And that's usually not a condemnation tone. When I've, thankfully, when I've heard it, it was one of going, man, that was, aside from what you did and aside from what you were thinking, is that who you really want to be? Right? Because God has created us for something so much more.
Now, if I can pause for just a moment, what happens if we're just thinkers and thinkers who maybe ebb into one or the other? Oftentimes, we're a disengaged philosopher, right? If all we do is focus on the head, we can be a a disengaged philosopher. We can be an uninvolved academic. Or how about just this? Maybe you're just a self-righteous jerk. If we're only committed to thinking. What about if we're only committed to doing acts? I mean, faith without works is dead. We can, we can totally misuse that scripture, but I'm just going to do, do, do. You know what happens without thinking and without being shaped and being a person? You can be a radical, a really dangerous radical. Right? You can decide to do some incredibly horrific things in the name of your action. Sometimes you may do it with, how many of you, to be nice, in quotes. Do I want to be a nice, a kind person? Absolutely. But there's a lot of times when our helping hurts. And so without thinking, right, without actually understanding what is helpful versus what's hurtful, we can unintentionally hurt through our actions. What about if you're just focused on being? I don't know if it's possible. Honestly, I spent all week trying to go, what would be a good word picture, a good person? If you got one, come share it with me later, because I don't mind being proved wrong. That's fine. (laughs) Like, I just don't think it's possible. I don't think you can be a kind person without it actually coming out of you, because kindness is lived and experienced. You yourself can think it, but it isn't it activated. You don't know what it is. It, like, just to, you, I mean, you, I guess you could sit in the woods and be a contemplative. <laughs> but I don't know how we be without engaging our heads, our hands, our bodies, who we are. So that's our series, is to become, as Paul says, more mature in Christ. To live a life worthy of the one who lived his life for us. Listen, folks, we gave out Bibles today for kids. If you need a copy of a Bible, come see me. I want to make sure you have God's story to dive into. I know there's a couple copies of Believe that have tons of scripture in it. Go grab one. I don't care if you give five bucks or don't. doesn't matter to me. But if we're not engaging the words of scripture, that's one thing, right? We need that to help help us think. We need that to know what the life of Christ looks like to us, for us, and through us. So don't hesitate. If your kids were second through fifth grade and didn't come up here and need a Bible, go find Becky. Look it. You can see there is still five more up here, and I'm sure we can get more. And did you know you can get your Bible on an app? So you can do that too. By the way, I use a device very often. But with all that being said, Paul gave his all so we could become like Jesus. And he knew that that barely scratched the surface of what Jesus did for us. We work from grace, not for it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for being everything we could not be for ourselves for gifting us 
something we could not purchase, we could not earn, we could not somehow go and find of our own accord. Thank you that when we didn't deserve it, and Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, we still don't, you give it. You, live it, you give it because you love us. You give it because you want to see, see us succeed and have life. You want what is in us to come out of us. You want us to know what it means to be a new creation. Because it took your all for that to be real for us. So Lord, in this series and in today, Again, encourage our hearts. Continue to transform us. And today I pray, just may more of that new creation, that new life, come out of us by the power of your spirit for the glory of you, Jesus. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, amen.